Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Daniel Harkavy, who is a leader, executive coach, and author. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you so much for tuning in to yet again another episode of the podcast. Um, so great to be with you today and, and to share a conversation, an interview with Daniel Harkavy. Um, he's an, an author, an executive coach, and a leader. We, we break down a little bit more about leadership. He's been in, in leadership for 25-plus years, um, ha, has coached, and has journeyed along with um, many top companies, um, Nike, Mercedes-Benz, Chick-fil-A, to name a few, um, and ha- has really rubbed shoulders um, and been alongside a lot of other leaders as well. Um, in, this, in this conversation today, we break down the seven perspectives of effective leaders, his latest book, a proven fam- framework for improving decisions and increasing your influence. And it's really about those two things that we, that we hone in on, decisions and influence, um, and, and, and discuss and unpack, um, leadership today in 2020, 2021, um, and to, to really focus and and stay in, in, in these seven, seven different lanes that he, that he mentions as well. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Daniel. Uh, Daniel, it's just a pleasure to have you on, um, all by virtually today, but Nonetheless, on. Uh, thank you for joining me. It's great to be with you, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Sure thing. Um, so, I, so I know some folks may be familiar um, with some of your work, uh, or you know, some of the other folks that you've mentored. Mentored. We were talking before about, uh, you know, Michael Hyatt, um, and then uh, Patrick Lencioni, and a few of the other folks, kind of in this leadership space here. Can you tell me a little bit about? I think to help guide our conversation about your first experience in leadership. Um, and kind of what you expected leadership to be like, and then what actually happened. What what be, what, what was the current reality that you that you uh, came came to I guess came came to head on. Yeah. So I was given I was given um, my first management and leadership opportunity uh, right before turning twenty three. Uh, I was mm-hmm. twenty two years old, and um, it was in the mortgage banking industry. I never really led anything formally prior to that. And uh, I was given that opportunity because the CEO of the company and the head of production for this national mortgage banking firm, they couldn't keep a manager over me. I was so hard charging. Mm-hmm. And the three leaders, and I'm not kidding you, the three leaders they had over me um, for the previous two years mm-hmm. um yeah, they, they, this is just, a, this is truth about me. They got in my way. And, um, so the, uh, mm-hmm. head of production, there were offices throughout the Western United States. He came in one day and he terminated my boss and, uh, then paged me and then had me come in pagers. This was back a while ago, Tyler, uh, and had me come in mm-hmm. And my old boss was sitting in his office, in his office, with the head of production who was there, who officed, you know, 20 miles away. And um, 
the the leader, his name was Dick. Dick said, Daniel, I'd like you to sit in Chuck's chair, which was my old boss. Mm -hmm. So he had me sit in my old boss's chair. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. said, yeah, um, Chuck's no longer to be sitting in that chair. You're now going to be the manager here if you accept him. Mm -hmm. And I've given Chuck the opportunity to work for you. We're going to try something. We're going to switch roles. And I'm looking at Chuck, who's like 20 years my senior, Tyler, and All I'm right. like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. But I knew it was coming because, you know, Chuck got in my way. So when I first, you know, found myself there, I don't know if I had a real expectation for what leader should be. I just knew what leadership shouldn't be because mm -hmm. I had firsthand experience over the years seeing leaders just um, get in the way of people instead of coming along and helping people. The leaders I had worked for, unfortunately, I'm sure very good people, um, but with my style, it seemed like they tended to um, slow me down instead of help me to win. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that formed who I wanted to be as a leader. And really, that's where I, I started to flourish. So mm -hmm. once I received that, that promotion, mm -hmm. um, I had at that time a staff of three. Chuck, of course, left. Uh, the next day, um, and then another individual I let go right away, and uh, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. I started looking for people who are humble and hungry and who wanted to grow, and I worked on how to help them to succeed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, I wrote a book probably 16 years ago called Becoming a Coaching Leader, and in it, it is my leadership journey where I I basically say the best leaders are the best coaches, and if you can if you can figure out how to help people to be the best they can be. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll, you'll do quite well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I, I want to unpack that a little bit because I think there's, um, there's there's a lot of listeners right here who are in you know in their twenties, thirties, or kind of emerging leaders or desire to be in a leadership position, whether it's um, you know in in a in kind of a corporate environment or in a, in a church as well, right? This is uh, guys like us, sure. Christian men's podcast. A lot of folks are serving in you know in church or kind of parachurch ministry, um, right? And I think one of the things, at least that kind of st strikes me is kind of the, the tension between like teamwork and valuing the team, but also being pretty driven and independent. And it sounds like as a leader, uh, self-leadership and being kind of ahead of the curve. Um, and, and there is kind of, a, it sounds like a driven or independence, appendance, independence nature to that. But there's also, you know, as you said, kind of, he got in your way. Can you kind of unpack, um, a little bit more about what that what that looks like and if 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 that even if, if what i'm saying kind of strikes a chord with you as well well yeah i think what you're talking about is there's a balance between leadership's drivenness and reliance on others being team mm -hmm. and when you really understand what leadership's about my most recent book mm -hmm. is uh the seven perspectives of effective leaders mm -hmm. where i i basically have this premise that is tried and true i've I've interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of clients who are leaders as well as friends who are leaders. They're all in the book. And I've just said, hey, challenge me. A leader's effectiveness is determined by just two things, the decisions they make and the influence they have. Mm -hmm. I'll unpack mm -hmm. that more later should we mm -hmm. get to that topic. But the, the drivenness needs to be birthed out of a vision for the future. There's, there's a burden in great leaders that if they're willing to sacrifice and then pour into others, they can affect a better outcome in the months or years ahead. Hmm. Great leaders believe that. Yeah, I have a friend, that which you're, you're probably familiar with him, Dr. Henry Cloud. And Henry always says, 
you know, leaders have this ability with vision to make the invisible visible. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. what they see and what they architect are these blueprints for a, a tomorrow that once that gets built, we're all going to be better, whether it's our customers, whether it's our community, whether it's our church, like that's who we want to become. That's mm-hmm. what we want to build. Mm-hmm. And so that drivenness is a desire to sacrifice to bring a group of people to a better tomorrow. That's vision. That's where that drive comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there's an absolute reliance on others to make it happen. And great leaders understand that a big vision always requires wonderful people mm-hmm. who have the, the heads and the hearts mm-hmm. to come together, to selflessly work together and to use their gifts in a way that is like an orchestra and create that, that beautiful piece, masterpiece in the future. Mm-hmm. And great leaders have the ability to surround themselves with these people and then help them to understand what they need to do so that they can move forward. So it, mm-hmm. it's a balance. I think you're mm-hmm. spot on, but that drive mm-hmm. is out of a vision. Hmm. And, wow. and it's, a, it's something that's going to be better for all of us. It's not just, hey, I have a vision because I want to, and I need to, and if we do, then I will. It's no, this is what we mm-hmm. are going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so um, I guess in, in, a, in kind of, when you, having that vision set and then kind of meeting or, or kind of preparing and processing and growing to, to, to be able to have that, I guess the, the, the capability or the competency to then, once you have this vision, but actually leading, leading to it and leading through it, is going to require more leaders. And I, you know, there's, there's a lot of leadership books, but it seems like there's, there's still a huge market for them because people, as, as we know, or there's, there's still a lot of incompetent leaders as well. Um, and so I think as, you know, we're, as people are preparing to, 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 to get in this next step of leadership or just want to see that, that their organization's vision really flourish, um, yeah, can you can you kind of unpack a little bit on what that kind of what that gap is for effective leaders? I think this will kind of transition a little bit more into 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 your latest book here, um, which I have in front of me, the Seven Perspectives of Effective Leaders, which is now available as well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it, leadership is a, as you said, it's a massive topic. I mean, it's massive. There's so many books out there, and so many podcasts, and and so many business schools, and so many professors. There's so many theories. There's so many topics. When I first um, started testing the seven perspectives of effective leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you and I earlier in our conversation were talking about Patrick Lencioni, and I was talking to Patrick about this framework. I had the privilege of working with Patrick and coaching him a long time ago. We're very good friends, and I totally love his models. Uh, I use his five dysfunctions with every executive team I can ever um, uh, engage in it. It's just just Mm -hmm. so powerful. Mm -hmm. He, he does amazing work, mm-hmm. amazing guy. So anyways, I, I was sharing with Patrick this seven perspectives, which back then was the five. And he, Patrick, very much like me, appreciates taking the complex and making it simple. And he truly is one of the most brilliant people you ever, you'll ever spend time with. His, his um, IQ is off the charts, off the charts. So... Um, so here's what happens. I'm talking to him about it. And he says, you know, Daniel, you've simplified it. You've in this framework, you've created the context for leadership. This is it. These perspectives boil it down. 
if leaders will do these things, this is the framework that we all get to hang all of the different leadership topics onto. Mm -hmm. So the way I see it is uh, a leader needs to just take the complicated and make it more digestible. Mm -hmm. You want to be a great leader, make great decisions and have great influence. Well, how do you do that? Well, you need to have intentional curiosity, which is birthed out of humility. Great leaders know that they're not the smartest guy or gal in the room. They don't have all the answers, nor are they expected to, nor should they, nor can they. What they need to do is they have to have that clear vision. They need to understand their starting point. They need to have great people around them. They need to ask the right questions. They need to focus on the customer. They need to get input from the team. They need to understand their role. And then they need to have outsiders who are just great thinkers and advocates to help them to make sense of all the chaos. And in all of that are the seven different perspectives. So if you, if you allocate your time and invest your energy into the seven Monday through Friday, you're going to make better decisions and have more influence. You'll be a more effective leader. Absolutely. And so I was just looking through it and you had the seven here, which you mentioned current reality, vision, strategic bets, the team, the customer, your role and um, the outsider. And I think rather than maybe getting too deep into the, the weeds of each of these and giving listeners a chance to, to grab a copy themselves, could you maybe provide like a case study, I think, of where we are right now? In the past year, um, a lot of people have been forced to, to make difficult decisions um, and I guess have had to look for places to rely or where to rely to. Do we, do we try and establish something new or we kind of go back to our foundation um, can you just kind of provide a little bit of a case study where maybe a few of these are, you know, are drawn out and can be a little bit more tangible? Yeah. So, you know, wanting to honor the request and not go into each of the seven perspectives as well as give you a case study, mm-hmm. you need a, a framework in today's times that's both tried and true as well as adaptive because today for many leaders, our clients, you know, um, Yeah, let me help the listeners to understand what I get to do. 25 years ago, I started Mm -hmm. building Champions. It's an executive coaching company and a leadership development company. Executive coaching leadership development Mm -hmm. is what we do. Our clients are Mercedes-Benz Daimler out of Stuttgart, Germany, Bristol-Myers Squibb, uh, Nike, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Mm -hmm. uh, Bank of America. These are our clients. This is who we get to journey with. Mm -hmm. And for the last 25 years, I've had the privilege of, of walking side by side with some pretty amazing leaders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This framework is one that big organizations use, the leaders use to allocate how they invest their time. And -hmm. it's been something that uh, I'll tell you, Daimler, Daimler trucks, North America, Daimler owns Mercedes Benz and Mercedes Benz has numerous brands. Daimler has numerous Mm -hmm, brands, mm -hmm. but their executive team uh, out of Asia has used this framework for all of their strategic planning and decision-making because it's straightforward. Um, their North American division, DTNA, they've used it. And, and what you do is they allocate, they, they organize their, their um, executive team meetings around the perspectives so that they are mm-hmm. always focusing on the key buckets of focus. Hey, are we talking strategy? Well, that's perspective three. Are we talking customer? Well, that's perspective five. So they make sure they're hitting on all of those. Mm -hmm. Now, in today's times where we have so many people working remotely, Hmm. uh, the framework doesn't 
change. It's like you just need to be hyper-focused. But I will tell you that that fourth perspective is the perspective of the team. And the big topic for leaders over the past year, since really March of, of 2020, has been empathy and how do we leaders really feel what our teammates are feeling? Because this is a, a time, as I write about in the book, this is VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it brings out a lot of different emotion. And it can impact how people engage. So leaders need to ask more questions. They need to leave more time to listen. Uh, we've got Frank Blake's the chairman of Delta Airlines. And uh, he's he does a CEO roundtable with me and a group of our leaders all the time and he's in that book as well but frank's having people over on the porch for tea um because he's Mm -hmm. wanting to connect with them as humans that's getting the perspective of the team and empathy and caring and connecting Mm -hmm. so i could go on and on buddy it's just a huge yeah Mm -hmm. huge question yeah certainly certainly and um don't expect you to cover all facets of it but just kind of uh you know touch the surface here um and so kind of long, long way to come back to kind of the, your, the kind of the preface of, of the, the book, which was on two, two main, two main components, decision and influence, um, kind of two forces that must advance in order for leadership to advance. Can you kind of just break down a little bit more about what that means and how we can kind of think about that for our own contexts? You bet. Well, I think there's, there's a real connection with that question to in today's times, Mm-hmm. because um, leaders today do need to go about making decisions maybe a little differently than they did in times past. Uh, so if you think about it, you look back, let's just, hey, leaders, you've been leading for five years. Your yeah. level of effectiveness, it has been determined by the quality of the decisions you've made, the speed of those decisions, and how you've engaged others to get the input, the data, the buy-in, on those decisions and whether you executed on them. So decision-making, the best decision-making is um, done when you're informed. Well, how do you get that information? You could spend hours and hours and hours researching where there's no shortage of information. So what information do you need to have? Mm -hmm. Well, perspectives one, two, three, four, and five, that's the information you need to have. You need to get that. If you have intentional curiosity and you're asking your teammates and your customers for input and outsiders Mm -hmm. for input, what happens is those people know that their opinion matters. They get to speak into strategy. They get to speak into tactics, whether it's teammates or customers. They get to speak into product. They get to speak into service. When they have that voice, well, then they buy in subconsciously. So... Mm-hmm. And when a leader knows who is the smartest person in the room that needs to make this decision on this topic because they're closest to this issue, and the leader is humble enough to say, hey, Tyler, you've, you're, you've got the D on this. That's mm-hmm. our language at Building Champions. You've got the D, meaning you're going to make the decision. Mm-hmm. You're the best in the room, buddy. I don't need to do it. I'm, this is your area of expertise, so mm-hmm. you go. And uh, great leaders know who needs to make the right decisions because they're students and they're deploying this intentional curiosity, which enables them to ask the questions that will get them to more of the root opportunities or root causes for challenges. They slow it on down. They don't move so fast. So they ask great questions, Mm -hmm. which informs the mind for decision making Mm -hmm. and it engages the heads and the hearts of others because they know they matter. That's required for teams to win. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so, you know, speaking for myself here and some, some of the other for, our, I guess, for our younger folks who are um, who are on the podcast here, we, we had discussed a little bit about the, the this 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 program that you've launched called Set Path. And I think one of there is a real hunger for for folks my age to have leaders have mentors in their life who, you know, people that they can trust who have kind of proven to help others in their journeys. Um, and yeah, and I think as you see too, but I think with our generation, there's a lot of, uh, we'd like to jump from place to place and it's hard for us to kind of stand, be still. You're, we see the kind of the rates of transition in our lives. And, um, and I think a lot of people are, are want something a little bit more, I guess, firm to, to, to be able to kind of put their feet on. Um, and so I think in, in part of that, people who have gone through leaders who have proven that they've been, you know, faithful to an organization or to, to their, to their craft for some time is a, is kind of a way of building that trust. Can you talk a little bit about set path and, and, um, and what, what kind of what the, the vision is and kind of where you're at now with that? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Please. You said, you know, people my age, how old are you? 28. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're my, my kid's age. And, uh, and, you know, I get to look at you on the screen here. People are probably listening to us. Yeah. Um, but I had assumed that's right where you were. So first off, I want to just say good job, man, that you've launched this and that you're doing it and you've got this hungry app appetite. It's going to serve you really well. It's going to be fun to see how these interviews inform how you will be used, uh, in the years ahead by God. It's super cool to see. Mm-hmm. So, so at building champions 25 years ago, when I started this business, mm-hmm. I didn't want to help my clients to just make more money. I wanted to help them to be more successful and fruitful in all areas of their lives. And that was birthed out of my 10 years being in a high income, fast paced industry where I saw people paying significant prices that were my mom and dad's age. Mm-hmm. So I started this company at 30 years old. And I had spent age 20 to 30 in banking and I had seen divorces, I'd seen drug addiction, I'd seen mistresses and I'd seen some gnarly things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but those gnarly things um, also were taking place in the lives of guys and gals that were driving Ferraris and Mercedes and Porsches and blah, blah, blah. Right. So Mm -hmm. they had the money, they'd put all their energy into this area of their life and, uh, and then had regret later. Right. Yeah. So when I started building champions, I said, I'm going to help my clients to be not only more successful in business, but in life. And that was my key to success when I became a manager at the age 23, which is a story I shared with you earlier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So from 23 to 30, I would help people to get clear on what their goals were in life and um, in business. And then I would do everything I could to help them, not just in business, but in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fast forward to 1996, I start a company that does that. The tool that I created was a life planning tool. That life planning tool, all of our clients for 25 years have gone through. And it's a tool that enables you to figure out who you want to be in the areas of your life where you play a unique stewardship role. There's nobody that can be a husband to my wife. That's me. It's me alone. There's Mm -hmm. nobody that can steward my faith with my creator. That's up to me. I steward it. There's nobody that can care for my body other than me. That's me. It's mine. Mm -hmm. There's only one guy that gets to be dad to these kids and grandkids. There's only one guy that gets to invest my free time the way I do. What choices do I want to make? Who do I Mm -hmm. want to be Mm -hmm. in the future? 
that's life planning. Once you get clear on who you want to be, then you start to identify what does a guy or gal who wants to be that need to do today? What do I need to be doing today, this week, next week, in the months ahead? What do I need to do in order to be that guy? All right, I know you use the Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt, fantastic tool. Michael was my client 20 some years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, he and I remained friends. He worked with our firm for years. And that's birthed out of the life plan tool. Because if you, if you listen to Michael, he'll tell you uh, how the life plan rocked him. And if you want to read about that, then you read Living Forward, a book he and I wrote together. Mm -hmm. Life planning is something that I've walked clients through, like I said, for 25 years. The majority of those clients being north of 40 in their age, so 40, 50, 60. They always say the same thing. Why didn't I do that when I was in my 20s? Set path. I finally got around and felt compelled to birth a new vision where we're going to bring life planning and mentorship to America's young adults. When I saw the incidents of last year, when I saw the brokenness in relationship rhythm routine, when I saw mm -hmm. the hardship that comes from isolation, you know, I, I talk about a concept called the drift. You can just drift off course as an emotional human and then make decisions that will lead to a future destination of regret. Nobody wants to go there. Mm -hmm. All right. So mm -hmm. set path is a community benefit, not for prof where we're rewriting that life planning tool. It's mm -hmm. going to be web and app based. Mm -hmm. And we're going to put it in the hands of guides all for free. Doesn't mm -hmm. cost anybody anything. And we're in beta right now, setpath.com. Mm -hmm. And it's going to, uh, age 15 on up to 30 is my target. It used to be 18 to, to 30, but uh, yeah, something else I should tell you, I've had nine extra kids living with me since uh, 1996. So Sherry, my wife and I, 33 years married. Yeah. We have four kids of our own, two of them married, we've got a couple granddaughters, and yeah. uh, but we've had nine others living with us. And um, yeah. so we have a passion for the youth and seven of the nine that live with us came to us with some challenges. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to try to get ahead of it. And a couple months ago, uh, it was age 18 to 28. And a couple months ago, there was a suicide yeah. in our, in our circle mm. of a 15 year old. And uh, we said, oh, gosh, darn it. 18 is too old. We got to drop down to, to 15 and maybe 13. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Thanks for mm -hmm. asking. No, certainly. And, and I think as you're talking, I was just thinking about how planning for the future really does impact the decisions that you make today and how you allocate your time. And you kind of have, when you're talking about, you know, all right, let's kind of put this in this bucket or this is in this bucket. And then you really start to be a little bit more focused into into the, the effort and the energy and just the, the time that you're putting there and hey, is this a priority in life, right? If if you have, you know, if you believe that that you are steward of, of, of everything here and your family is important to you, you're gonna steward your time with your family in a particular way, right? You're gonna you're gonna steward your devotional time a particular way. Um, and so it, it just kind of lights kind of were going off as as you were saying that and thinking about, oh yeah, like now that I think about it, even the small things I've done to plan ahead have really shaped uh, how I th my my day to day looks, um, which is which is very fascinating. Um, well, let me let me connect yeah. it to two two biblical truths, okay? Guys like us. So I'm speaking to guys. Hey guys, we're emotional beings created by God with emotion. But as emotional beings, what we like to do is we like to use data and facts to justify our emotional decisions. 
Your emotions are always real, but the narrative that causes those emotions is not always true. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure you know truth, which is why we're told to meditate on God's worth, both God's word, both day and night. Mm -hmm. Now you can go to any business school or any school for psychology. And what they'll teach you is that the way the brain works, the executive functions are that you have to focus on what matters most in order to inhibit the noise. And you need a system to focus on what matters most, which is why God said, yeah, well, of course that's true. That's why I say meditate on my word both day and night. Hang my, my commands on your doorposts, right? That's what we're told. Teach your kids morning, day, and night. When you're coming in, when you're going out, when you're eating, when you're laying down. He's like, I know your brains. I know mm -hmm. your emotional beings. If you don't put my word into your head all day, every day, you're going to drift because you're an emotional being and you will go to mm -hmm. what you want to feel or not feel. And you'll make some decisions that you'll later regret. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. right. Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Anchor verse for me. Tyler, we need to know our days are numbered. There's no guarantee you get 78 years because that's the American average. There's no guarantee. I just did a, a funeral for a 15 year old. Last year, I did one for a 29-year-old, father of a five-month-old. I mean, there's no guarantee. I've, yeah. In 1998, I had three 30-year-old friends pass all within a year. I learned early on to, oh, man, number our days. When Moses was crying out, God, teach us to number our days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. My head's easily deceived. I need to have conviction where my heart, mm -hmm. where my heart houses conviction. Mm -hmm. What I'm convicted by, I'll fight for mm -hmm. because then I will not trust the emotions and I want to be wise. So I number my days. Second verse, mm -hmm. see then that you walk circumspectly, not as the fools redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, God's letting us know, redeem your time, walk circumspectly, walk carefully, redeem your time. The days are evil. You'll get sucked off course so easily you'll drift. Be aware. That's the beauty of life planning. So young folks, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm assuming there's some women on here too, but guys mm -hmm. in particular, mm -hmm. this is a, a leadership truth. Self-leadership always precedes team leadership. When you have a life plan and you focus on it, you review it day in and day out. And then week in and week out. You will do more of what's in it, regardless of how you feel. You'll actually be a better husband because if you don't feel like being a good husband because she didn't treat you well or because somebody else treated you better or whatever it may be, you've got a life plan that, that tells you who you want to be. And that becomes more important than the emotion or the feeling that can cause you to behave in ways that you will have to later ask for mm -hmm. forgiveness for. And it happens all the time. So leaders who have a life plan who are walking in a way to where people around them look at them and say that guy just seems to focus on the right things the way he speaks about his faith and his family and his marriage and others i like that there's light there mm -hmm. well then what happens is people around you are making subconscious decisions as to what level of engagement they'll have with you as a leader so now I'm talking about leadership effectiveness. If mm -hmm. you profess one thing and you behave a different way, then people are going to make subconscious and conscious decisions about how they follow you, 
And uh, if they're not seeing integrity in word and deed, well, they're not going to fully engage and your leadership mm -hmm. will suffer. So I'm talking about marriage, I'm talking about health, I'm talking about parenting, but I'm talking about leading your ministry. I'm talking about leading your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, Daniel, I mean, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a pleasure. And um, just to kind of end on a lighter note, a lighter note here I, for for some folks who have tuned in are like I don't I don't even like leadership I don't I don't know what's going on and this this guy is coming in and super serious and um you know I, I am as well but I'm looking at your 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 room right now and you have a a hooligan it says hooligan and there's um there's kind of some different colors going on can you tell me about a little bit about this uh you know this kind of create creative or kind of this uh, this 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 painting you have going on over there all right so hooligan yeah um, I was and still am, but, uh, this was painted by one of my very good friends, Greg Gutierrez out of San Diego. Greg was the oldest kid in our neighborhood where I grew up inland, uh, California, inland LA area. Yeah. Greg was the one who, who brought me surfing first. And there was a whole crew of us, an inland crew that went to Royal Oak high school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we were a big posse and we would all go to the beach together and we would surf together. Well, that surfing became my addiction, and I still surf all the time, and I still surf with my high school friends. So I'm going to be 57. I'm a grandpa. There's a whole bunch of us that are grandfathers. We surf together all the time. We get together at different destinations, and we yeah. go surfing. And the majority wow. of us, and I will say, yeah, I have, I'll be raw walking with Christ. Back then, whew, like we were rough, man, yeah. rough. Yeah. Yeah. So hooligans reminds me of who I was hmm. and lets me enjoy the fruit of who I am with who I get to be hmm. with. Yeah. And that's us. So on here, that yeah. painting is by Greg and you'll see all of our nicknames and it says hooligan surf team and all of our oh, nicknames. Okay. So Hark brothers okay. and, and nippy and Sid and Paco Loco <laughs> bringing you back. Oh, it's cool. Man. Oh yeah. And it's these cool. are surfing done, uh, all pieces of art back here yeah. that were done by one of the young folks that lives with us and became a digital designer, went on to work for Nike and now is uh, doing another venture, but there very you go. cool. Very cool. And then the sword, come on. Oh yes. It, it was, it was kind of, it was, uh, it was behind you. So I couldn't really see it. Wow. My team gave this to me after uh, spending some time with John Eldridge over the years. Yeah, yeah. And John was the first one to introduce us to these. But it says, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And my team surprised me with it. It's got my initials on it. And I've given it to many of my teammates and friends as well and my sons. So That's there you go. super cool. Can, can you? Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, that's funny. If, if anyone I knew, you know, John Eldridge would, would have been the one that would have uh, that teed that up. Oh, yeah, he did. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, really cool, awesome. Um, and then just uh, where where can we can we find you and, and kind of get our get our hands on some of the work that you've been doing and, and just kind of join in on on your journey. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I'm on uh, LinkedIn and on Facebook. I don't post a ton, um, but I'm out there. I'm always putting content out. So you'll always see content out from the Building Champions team. You'll see more uh, coming out from the Set Path team uh, after August. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Daniel Harkaby and Facebook, Daniel Harkaby, buildingchampions.com, setpath.com. And all my books are on the resources page of, uh, of Building Champions as well as podcasts. So I do a Building Champions podcast 
And then I do a questioning okay. leadership podcast that is just getting ready to launch. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure and just an honor to have you on. So thank you. It's great to be with you, Tyler. I love what you're doing, buddy. Good Absolutely. work.